Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid, just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Today is July 13th, 2017, and we had to do a switch of what the show is going to be about today because uh, Ashley had an emergency. So we, I just thought I would do a quick 30-minute episode, and I thought we would do it on the FBI, uh, I'm sorry, the FBI, uh, my mind is on the FBI, isn't it? Uh, because the FBI is doing some really good work with these really bad, um, these rehabs and the sober living fraud that's going on. And one of the biggest ones that we recently saw exposed was the Chris Batham story that happened here in Los Angeles uh, he he was pretty arrogant, thought he was going to, you know, that he was above everything. And then he, uh, they did a piece on 2020 about him. And then uh, the FBI shut him down. Mm. And he is going to have to stand trial. So there was something that came about. Here's another story. This is from the Miami Herald. Uh, The story is about residents on Sea Spray Avenue in Delray Beach complained about this million, three million sober home by Thomas Cordy, and this is with the Palm Beach Post. Uh, The headline reads, South Florida con artists turn sober homes into insurance scams. What the hell is it about South Florida and drug addiction profiteering? First, we spawned a national opiate epidemic uh and then you know what this i can't even read this this is so bad sorry let me go back to the, the main issue. um first we spawned a national opiate epidemic well, opiate problem allowing some 200 sham pain clinics to dispense oxycontin pills like skittles uh Kashoni pill mills, most of them operating out of the strip shopping centers in Broward, Palm Beach, and Miami-Dade counties, no insurance allowed, peddled 8.2 million oxy tablets in 2009 alone. 
Florida claimed all 50 of the nation's top 50 dogs to prescribe that highly addictive narcotic. Through the first decade of the 21st century, South Florida's pill mills supplied the bulk of the oxycodone behind an addiction problem that still ravages Appalachia and America's Rust Belt. When Florida finally cracked down on its free-willing pain clinics, the nation's oxy addicts turned to cheap Mexican heroin and lately to fentanyl, a synthetic heroin, and another South Florida specialty, all of which led to our latest drug addiction scam, FOE, Sober Homes, Group Homes, for recovering addicts in league with substance abuse treatment programs that are hardly more than vehicles for insurance, insurance fraud. Now, I want to stop here and talk about this faux sober home, group homes, for recovering. Now, wait a second. So, first of all, who owns the homes? Who started this? It's AA members, two hatters. They're all AA members. I mean, I've never met or known anyone that isn't an AA member. So, nobody really talks about that. And hopefully, it'll come out in these stories. I don't know. It needs to come out that these are AA people. And what do they do with the group homes for recovering addicts? Um... What does that have to do with, like, having a house, a house with sober people in it is not treatment, and why would any insurance pay for any of this? So I have another question. Why? Why Why would Blue Cross, why would Anthem Blue Cross, why would, uh, what are the other big ones? Can't think of them right now. Hundreds of barely regulated sober homes. So how'd that happen? How'd that get set up? They set it up that way. Who did AA members have proliferated in Palm Beach and Broward counties over the past decade. Many are tied into very lucrative addiction treatment programs exploiting well-meaning federal laws that put behavioral disabilities. Oh, really? So taking drugs and drinking has become a disability now? I've got to tell you something. When I first went to, you know, the AA meetings years ago, nobody looked at it as a disability. Nobody. Freaking Nobody. Uh, that is something, it's a behavior, people change the behavior. It's really interesting, and I know that Obamacare has helped many people when it comes to real medical help, but it's a big mistake to lump in um, substance abuse treatment as part of medical care if you don't have fucking treatment. So if you do not have a doctor, you don't have a nurse, you don't have and, you know, even with that said, PhDs are not doctors. They're not medicine. That is for behavioral stuff. That's for mental health. So we came a long way or somewhat of a long way. Insurance didn't used to pay for therapy. Then it paid for therapy that we're talking about now. The 90s it took for that to happen. But, you know, it's really a lot of horseshit here. A lot of horseshit. And well-meaning. Well-meaning for Who? For you know, somebody goes to an addiction treatment place and they don't get any help at AA, then who is that helping? And then the escalation of it is that when they go, they say they find out that they don't want to be there. They don't want to go to those meetings, and they say, "I'd rather be high than fucking sit in these meetings for the rest of my life." Oh, you can't drink either. Well, I don't have a drinking problem. They would probably say, and they'd be, like, "Oh, well, everything's the same. You're in denial." Well, I can smoke pot. Oh no, you can't smoke pot. You know, on and on. So, God, I love those. This new drink it's called Bai. I love it. B A I. It's delicious. Five calories. It's good. <laughs> All right, here we are. Where am I back on off my rant there? 
um, we need more rants by more people. Which you know, more people do radio shows where they expose all of this, including Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous. So many are tied to very lucrative addiction treatment programs, exploiting well-meaning federal laws that put behavioral disabilities, including alcohol and drug addiction, on par with physical handicaps. Oh, my God. Did you know that? So that they have put alcohol and drug addiction. What about just somebody is just using it or abusing it? That's going to be on the same par? Okay, so you have a physical handicap. There's like a really lightweight physical handicap, and then there's someone who has no leg. That's on the same... Oh, these people who did this. Oh, my God, this is so bad. And make them eligible for medical insurance coverage. Over the past, bad actors have been using these laws to hide their exploitation of the very people that these laws were meant to protect. A Palm Beach grand jury warned... In a special report issued last month, this is especially true in the business of recovery housing, where many unregulated homes, let's say that again, where many in the business of recovery housing, what the is that, where many unregulated homes have become unsafe and overcrowded flop houses. Oh, great, because that's the name I've been using for a really long time, it's flop house, where crimes like rape, theft, human trafficking, prostitution, and illegal drug use are commonplace. And I wonder who these people are that are running them. Oh, yeah, that's right, they're AA members. Yeah, the the golden standard, uh, a place that a pilot who never gets into trouble, a nurse who never gets into trouble, a doctor gets forced to go for three to five years. Scumbags, they need to be taken down. The grand jury described a kind of low-down medical tourism designed to exploit the drug epidemic, epidemic, despite parents reacting to deceptive advertising, skip their, ship their addicted children to South Florida treatment programs. What their kids get, according to the grand jury, is rank exploitation. Sleazy operations make millions by billing insurance carriers for useless drug tests, the Palm Beach Post, which exposed the sober house racket in a stunning investigation investigative series that began in 2015, described how operators were making thousands on routine urine tests that should have cost no more than 10 or 20 dollars. After the Post series, Palm Beach State Attorney Dave Arenberg created the state's maybe the nation's first sober house task force. So far, the task force has busted 10 drug treatment and sober home operatives operators, most of them for illegal patient brokering. The latest was Leonard R. Dobard, 49, of the House of Chance hmm, group home in Boynton Beach, charged Wednesday with accepting thousands of dollars in bounties for delivering patients to the Whole Life Recovery Treatment Center. Owner James Kygar, 55, who was arrested in October, has been charged with 95 counts of patient brokering. Federal investigators carrying out their own sober home sleaze sweep arrested six industry operatives last month, including two doctors tied to treatment centers in Broward and Palm Beach counties. The Fed said the centers were run by Kenneth Chapman, 46, a notorious ex-con who was accused of coercing female patients and residents into prostitution, telling them that they need not pay rent or participate in treatment or testing so long as they would allow him to continue to bill their insurance companies for substance abuse treatment and testing that the patients did not receive. I think I remember seeing the thing about this guy, Kenneth Chapman. 
And there was more. Chapman, according to federal prosecutors, engaged in various tactics to keep patients from being able to leave his programs, including threatening violence and confiscating their belongings, such as car keys, telephones, medications, and food stamps, in order to maintain the ability to continue fraudulently billing the insurance companies. This is outrageous. Sober house operatives have also exploited federal disabilities laws that prevent local governments from using zoning laws to ban or limit the number of group homes in residential neighborhoods. Well, you know, guys, it's not a treatment. This is not a disability to be overusing, abusing, or even being addicted to drugs. It needs to just undo it. It's not a fucking disability. Oh, my God. You know what? I've I, I got to say something here. So really, if you think that this really is a disability and that everybody is this weak in America, then, you know, America should just go to shit then. How about that? That you really think that you're all that weak and that nobody can help themselves? Well, they won't in this kind of environment. But you don't get to call yourself a disabled person because you overdrank or overused drugs. Like, that's outrageous. And if you, if you want an America that's that weak, then that's what, you, that's what you have. That's what you've gotten. So there you go. And I'm going to keep reading. There was a familiar name among the treatment industry pirates swept up by the Palm Beach County Sober Home Task Force. Christopher Lee Hudson, 36, who was charged with patient brokering in October, had pleaded guilty back in 2011 to another set of racketeering charges. The Wellington man had been implicated in an infamous pain clinic operation that had peddled 20 million Oxycontin pills in Broward and Palm Beach counties. Hudson, like so many other of the South Florida other, I'm sorry, Hudson, like so many other of South Florida's other drug industry con artists, had exploited the addiction crisis coming and going. Karen, your business is not welcome. Your single family neighborhood. A sign posted on Seaspray Avenue in Delray Beach is situated across from a sober living facility operating as Karen Ocean Drive. Wow. Yeah, I, I think that we need to get it so that it's regulated. So let's, let's talk about they're comparing it to a group home. So where else? I, I lived in Culver City for a long time. And I knew of one group home, a real one, that was for seniors. Um, there were none for, I know there's ones for people who are schizophrenic. I never knew of any of those, never knew of any of those giving any trouble. So why all is the trouble with this? You know, like they should not be allowed. That I think we have to undo the part of calling substance and alcohol uh, abuse Substance use issues um, is not a disorder, and that needs to be undone. How the hell are we going to do that? Because that that's a big fucking one that they got in. I'm sure that was, uh, you know, some of the senators who are steppers or Kennedy or whoever else is involved in that. So that was from the Miami Herald. The date was January 6, 2017. So this is really very fresh and very trending right now. Here's another one. New Jersey, um, I think this is a really important one. Uh, controversial, this was updated on January 13th, 2016 by Alex Young. 
controversial rehab center not coming to Haddonfield. All right? I think it's really, really good. Um, but this thing just popped. You know when those things just pop in and then you can't, you can't get them off? Oh, there we go. Um, an addiction treatment center will not be coming to Haddonfield after the borough board of commissioners announced they had come to an agreement to purchase the Bancroft school site Tuesday. Good for them. Good for them. Man, that's awesome. Um, the borough has been in talks with Recovery Centers of America. Mm, yeah, those are pretty big. Uh, since the company announced that it had an agreement to purchase the site last year and planned on opening an inpatient rehab facility there. Ugh. The proposal was met with pushback from members of the community who opposed the facility due to its location near Haddonfield Memorial High School. Yeah, I think that's probably a good idea. With two agreements announced Tuesday, the property will instead be used for redevelopment after the borough finalizes its purchase. The agreement between two Hopkins Lane and Bancroft Newer Health, the organization that has been at the location since its founding in 1883, will be assigned to the borough, which will purchase the property for $12 million. Haddonton Mayor Jeff Casco said that they had three goals going into the negotiations. We wanted to make sure the borough had control of the land. We wanted to see that there's appropriate private development, and we wanted to make sure it was tax neutral, he said. I think for the most part we accomplished those goals. I want to thank everyone involved. That's great. That's really good. Okay. Um, so the other big story was... Uh, where is that one? Uh, the big story. Oh, there's all about Haddonfield. Okay. Um, this was posted on February 27th, 2015. Jury finds California Detox Center liable for death of Missouri resident awards family over $10 million in damages. Okay. This is really, this one is really interesting. Okay. Uh an Orange County, California jury has awarded more than $10 million to the parents of a young man who died while in the care of Newport Beach Drug and Alcohol Detox Center. Ted and Kim Jacks alleged in their wrongful death lawsuit that First House LLC was negligent in accepting 20-year-old Brandon Jacks as a client. Brandon had bulimia, and First House was not licensed or equipped to handle people with eating disorders. Brandon died at First House on April 2, 2011, from cardiac arrest caused by his electrolyte imbalances that resulted from his unabated binging and purging. God, this is so sad. By simply reading internal emails, the jury was able to see the reality of what these freestanding detox facilities are doing in their community, said Sean Foster, co-counsel representing the Jacks family from Kansas City, Missouri. The facilities admitted in internal emails that they were they were buying and selling these kids like they were a piece of meat. The jury heard that these facilities are ran and man managed by convicted felons that simply put profit ahead of safety and prey on people when their families are at their most vulnerable moment, he added. Brandon had been transferred to First House from Morningside Recovery, a Newport Beach facility that advertised itself as they qualified to treat addictions and eating disorders. After several weeks at Morningside on Friday, April 1st, they told the Jacks that they could not treat Brandon's eating disorder and that Brandon needed higher care, and they agreed that the determination of where to send Brandon would be made the following week. 
They did not disclose that the day before Brandon had been transferred to First House. Uh, doesn't that, now that doesn't sound like a legitimate medical facility. First of all, can I just stop here and say First House? Yeah, okay, First House, like the first step. Brandon had been transferred to First House, a place that cut a discount deal with Morningside to handle Morningside's overflow. First House took Brandon in knowing he needed higher care, but without bothering to find out what that care was a gross violation of their duty to assess an incoming client and if that person has a medical need to refer them on to proper medical care, said David Skeens, co-counsel from Kansas City, Missouri, representing Ted and Kim Jacks. It's a parent's worst nightmare. Your child has a serious medical condition and you think you have them in a place that can and is treating them. Instead, it was all a lie just to make a buck. The jury understood and made the right decision. The jury deliberated less than two hours before finding that First House was negligent and that such actions were a substantial factor in the young Kearney, Kearney, Missouri man's death. The verdict included $10 million in non-economic damages for the loss of Brandon's love, comfort, affection, care, assistance, protection, society, moral support, and companionship, and another $40,000 for funeral and burial costs. The jury found First House 80% at fault for Brandon's death. The remaining 20 was given to Morningside Recovery, which had settled with the Jacks before the trial. The jury refused to appropriation. Oops. Sorry, guys. Thought I had my phone off. Um, the jury deliberated. All right, there we go. The jury refused to um, apportion any fault to Brandon and Jacks, despite defense counsel's pleas and closing argument. In addition, Morningside Recovery, several other defendants also settled with the Jacks before trial. Whoa, wait, what is that? In addition, Morningside Recovery, several several other defendants also settled with the Jacks before trial. The verdict was handed down on February 2015. It was a privilege to represent the Jacks family and work with such a talented co-counsel. Okay, so this was handled by the... Uh, by Jeffrey C. Bogart of the Sizemore Law Firm. Uh, looks like it was handled out of Missouri, if not here. This is a really important case. Um, and, you know, in reading it, sometimes it's when you're talking, sitting and talking with somebody or I'm doing a show where there's like a light goes off. And one of them is one way that these can be stopped is that insurance will not insure them anymore. Yeah. That that is definitely uh, a possibility. But this is a very very important case, and my uh, condolences and my heart goes out to the family of this child. And um, maybe it would be good for me to re- reach out to. So what I'm working on right now is uh, putting together a group of stories, mostly having to do with rehab and uh, sober living fraud, along with drug testing fraud. And if you feel like you were you know, somebody got $1,000 for your head, patient brokering, and you want to come forward and talk to me, you can call, you reach me at makeaasafer at gmail.com. Don't be afraid by the name. Uh, we used that in the beginning for the Make AA Safer project, and it's still the email, makeaasafer at gmail.com. I am Monica Richardson. I am a filmmaker. I made the 13th step, which is exposes lots of things. We, we we touched a little bit on this, but we really didn't focus hugely on it. 
Uh, you can watch the film on Vimeo or on Amazon. Amazon is free. It's a 52-minute cut if you have Amazon Prime. It's cheaper. It's like $1.99 to rent, uh, $3.99 to buy it. And Vimeo is a director's cut. It's an hour and seven minutes long. I think it's a better version of the film. It has my story, Callie's story, and a lot more of Gabrielle Glaser's wonderful intelligence and many other professionals that I interviewed. So I have five minutes left. I just decided to do this half-hour show. If you or a loved one would like to reach out and talk to us, if you had, you know, this is terrible, somebody died, uh, please contact me. I, I'm already in contact with a few people where this has happened. Um, all right. Um, against religious elements of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's another story there. Um let me see. There's a murder. There's a murder here. There's a, not that one. Chris Batham. Yeah, he got it. Robert, let's see. Rehab mogul will stand trial in 176 million fraud. Now, this guy was really arrogant. Chris Batham was really arrogant. I mean, if you if you did not see this, you really... Uh, you should go online to ABC 2020 and watch this. I think it was on a few months ago. This was written up by Tony uh, Savrida, spelled S-A-A-V-E-D-R-A. Great, great work that uh, Tony is doing down at the Orange County Register. Self-titled rehab mogul Christopher Batham will stand trial on charges of fraudulently billing companies. Wow, $176 million. One of the largest criminal cases against an addiction facility in state history, a judge ruled Tuesday. Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Michael Pastor ruled there was enough evidence after a preliminary hearing to send Batham and his finance officer, Kristen Wallace, to trial on nearly 50 charges of grand theft, identified theft, and money laundering involving community recovery of Los Angeles. Batham 55 operated more than a dozen homes in Los Angeles. Okay, so let's talk about this. A dozen homes. Homes doing what? Was he sober living or is he actually calling them rehab? And this is where the line has become really, really soft, where at one time it wasn't. And I know that in California, this is I think this is really a bad law, that you can put rehabs in neighborhoods. I don't think that's a good idea. I think you need to go in a commercial area and if you're going to make this kind of money, you need to pay the piper, and you need to be in a clinic. You know, you need to be in a commercial area. This, is, this needs to stop. Um, so he had these homes. He had a dozen homes, Los Angeles and Orange County, as well as in Colorado. His addiction homes, what does that mean? There's Addiction homes were targeted, you know. So the other part of the story is that, and look, I'm not criticizing any of these reporters because many of them don't know AA, they weren't in AA, they don't know about sober living before they started to investigate, or maybe some of them did, but most of them don't. And the part of this is the language that that they created it. I know how they created AA members created this. First, they were called halfway houses. And the real treatment centers in the days when working in the field in the 70s 
I worked at a women's alcohol treatment center. It was connected to a hospital. Um, Hinamaka was connected to a hospital. It was one cemental ward that was kind of floundering, and they, you know, revitalized it and, you know, gave it a lot of foo-foo, whatever. Well, you know, it's a, I'm at the end of the... I'm going to... It's almost over. I have a minute and 40 minutes. I have one more one more story. <sighs> Murder charges against Rehab Center of First California. This was coming out of Record Searchlight. Um, the date is February 28, 2016. Gary Benefield, with his wife, stepchildren in 2003 and 2004, Benefield died at Bitter Tomorrow. Better Tomorrow. Really? A Murrieta Substance Abuse Treatment Center. Oh, how sad. Murrieta, a a Riverside County grand jury has indicted a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center for murder after the death of a man who was seeking help to treat a drinking problem. The first time in California that a corporation has been accused of murder, according to the facility's attorney. Legal experts say that the second-degree murder charges against a Better Tomorrow and four of its employees... And the death of Carrie Benefield may be hard to prosecute, but that they sent a jolt through California's expansive drug and rehab industry. Oh, my God. This is so sad. My heart goes out to this family. Um, let's see who owns this place. Well, I have run out of time. It's got 28 seconds. Months after Benefield died, the State Department of Alcohol and Drug Programs moved to revoke the license for a better tomorrow's Marietta facility. But by then, the company had already closed the rehab center. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, we have Facebook groups. If you want to join, leaving AA, deprogramming from AA, exposing AA, stop all of it. Again, I'm Monica Richardson, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, and good night.